once more, the work of Satan has claimed another life. Satan introduced death into this world. About 8.45 this morning, Sister Marva Hughes passed away, and we're sad, and I hope that you'll keep Brother Allen, Brother Doris, and the whole family in your prayers. Also, uh, before services, Brother Derek Benson gave me a note he'd like for me to read, and we're going to follow that with a prayer. He said, I have said and done things that I'm not proud of. I have not been the Christian, the example, or the husband and father I should have been. I'm asking for the strength and the prayers and forgiveness of my sins. We're so proud that Derek has made this decision in his life. And the Bible teaches us to pray for one another. And so I'm going to ask you to bow with me now as we pray. Our loving, merciful Heavenly Father, it is always an honor to be able to approach your throne, to give you thanksgiving for all the wonderful blessings that you have bestowed upon us. And Heavenly Father, we come at this time on behalf of Brother Derek Vincent, and we pray that for whatever difficulties that he has been facing in his life, that you will be with him, that you'll strengthen him, that you'll forgive him, and help him to be a great example to others. And Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your love, your mercy that's made all of this possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. For several weeks, back months, we've been discussing in the Valley of Elah. We've been talking about the kind of battles that you and I must face. And sometimes the battles that you and I engage in and we face are those which are immediately apparent to us. And sometimes the battles we engage are a little less obvious and yet still as important and serious as the others. If you study the book of Joshua, you realize that it is a book of battles. It is the book of the conquest of the children of Israel as they go into the promised land and battle after battle after battle, God gives them an amazing deliverance. You can see the hand of God in such things as the conquering of the city of Jericho. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after they were encircled for seven days. Even our little children remember the circling once a day for seven days and then seven times on the seventh day and how the walls of Jericho fell down and the children of Israel marched right on in. And yet... There was one very important stipulation given as they conquered the city of Jericho. Brother Jason just read to us a few moments ago from Joshua chapter 6 verses 18 and 19. And what you learn is they went into the city and as they encountered the enemy and as they conquered in the name of the Lord, God said that those things which were of value, were to be brought into his treasury. They're called the accursed thing or the devoted thing. Both ideas are found in the original word. It is devoted to God, but one who takes that which is not his is accursed because it belongs to God. And yet one man brought sin into the camp. 
And because of that, he brought defeat to the children of God. When he went into the valley and he faced the enemy, we find a loss. We find a defeat. In Joshua chapter 7 verse 1, But the children of Israel committed trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, and so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. When you get down to verse 5, they go up against the city of Ai, and we learn that they turned and ran because they were defeated from before them. I would like for you to think this morning with me about as we battle sin in our camp and sin among who we are. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the loss that was experienced. We're going to look particularly at the city of Ai and what it took from them. And then we want to talk about some lies that are told. And not specifically just the lie of Achan, but we want to look at the lies that you and I tell ourselves as we look at sin in our own lives as that we look at sin among ourselves. And then finally, some lessons to be learned. The defeat at Ai was not natural. Normally, when you have an army going against another one, either you have the numbers that are pretty close, or you may have an army that's better trained. But in this case, the battle at Ai was not a normal battle. In fact, this was just a small, we would call it a village. And the people there were few. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 3, he said, Do not let all the people go up. Let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary the people there, for the people of Ai are few. And so about 3,000 men went up from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. I want you to get the picture in your mind firmly. This was not a normal expectation. Here's just a small village. Could you imagine bringing in 3,000 trained soldiers to go against maybe, for instance, the audience that's here this morning? You would expect that they would be able to take us swiftly, but not at AI. And the problem was, is God was no longer with them. In fact, not only was God no longer with them, God was against them. And whenever God is on one side, that is always the side that is going to win. He was not with the children of Israel. If you look at verses 10 through 12, and this is very important. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and both stolen and deceived. They've also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel shall not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs toward their enemies, before their enemies, because they have become doomed for destruction." Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. 
I want you to realize sometimes you and I, as we're going through our lives, we find ourselves being defeated. And we ask the question, why am I being defeated? What did I do? God is telling Joshua, get up. Don't lie on your face. That's not the answer. That's not the resolution. You want God to be with you, you've got to take care of the sin. But you see, there's defeat here in more ways than one. Not only did they lose the battle and they lose 36 men, but they lost their confidence. Not only did they lose their confidence, they emboldened the enemy. And they lost the respect before their enemy. Oh, when you see a person who has sin in their life, not only does it bring a defeat in a number of different ways, but it even brings shame before others. Let's move on to the lies that are told. Now, I know that each of us sometimes lie to ourselves. That is, we want to convince ourselves that things are different. In fact, the Bible will say several times, be not deceived. Don't deceive yourself. And one of the things, one of the lies that we tell ourselves is, a little sin will not hurt you. You know, it really doesn't matter if it's just a little small sin Because if you look at Achan and what he did, what he took, what he put in his tent was just a little wedge of gold, Babylonian garment. Nobody's going to miss it. It's just a small amount. But when you start looking at the Bible, one sin cost Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, verse 23. She saw the tree. She saw the fruit. She wanted it. She thought it would make it better. And then what happens, verse 23, the Lord sends them out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. You see, God said you can't stay in the garden of Eden anymore. One sin of striking the rock versus speaking to the rock cost Moses the ability to enter the promised land. In the book of Numbers, chapter 20, verses 10 through 12, God told him to speak to the rock. And he says in verse 10, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water to you out of this rock? Moses lifted his hand, struck the rock twice with the rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and the animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Oh, but it's just a small thing, striking versus speaking, but you missed the promised land. You see, it was one sin that cost Nadab and Abihu their lives. They were priests before God, and they were commanded to offer a certain type fire and a certain type incense before the Lord. And what happens? In Leviticus chapter 10, they put a fire and a censer and they put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the Lord and devoured them and they died there before the Lord. One sin cost Uzzah his life. You remember David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant to him. 
And so he had them to build a brand new cart. Uzzah and Ahau drove the cart. And as they were pulling it along, according to 2 Samuel chapter 6, the oxen stumbled, the ark began to shift. Verse 7, then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died by the ark of God. One sin. One lie cost Ananias and Sapphira their lives. You remember Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 4? At the end of chapter 4, Barnabas had a piece of property. He sold it. He came and laid the money at the apostles' feet. When you get to chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of property. They sold it. They kept back a part of the price. They came and laid it before the apostles' feet. But they lied by saying they'd given all. And what you see in verse 4 is, While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. Now why produce all these examples? It's to show us that sin is sinful. And that it doesn't take a person committing 50 sins or 100 sins in order to be blameworthy before God. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 13, he said, So that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. So one of the lies that we tell ourselves is just like the one that Achan told himself, is a little sin is not a big deal. The second lie we tell ourselves is, my sin is my own business and it won't hurt anyone else. And the truth is, there are so many people believe this lie. You can hear it told by untold numbers of people every day. As if when I sin, I don't affect anybody but me. Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 says, None of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Every one of us has some kind of influence upon someone else. Some may be more, some may be less, but everybody has influence. In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, he says, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? When you get to chapter 15 and verse 33, Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits, good morals. You see, people who don't realize What I say, what I do, and how I act does affect other people. How many families have been hurt by alcohol? A man goes to the bar, he gets drunk, he's, you know, he's south and he says, that's nobody's business, my own. I'm the only one being hurt by that. How many wives, how many children have been hurt financially because their father is a drunk? How many people have seen a loved one die in a tragic car accident because someone was drunk? Or what about abortion? The big thing is, well, it doesn't affect anybody but me. This is my body. Not only does it hurt the mother, but it kills the child. And it devalues life for everyone. 
You know, it seems as if every morning when you get up, you hear about another shooting in another city and how that life is no longer seemingly precious to anyone. People will drive by and shoot in people's houses. People will take the lives of someone else. And everybody's trying to ask the question, why is this all happening to us now? Because in 1973, the Supreme Court decided that the life of a child had no meaning. And once that was decided, then a generation grew up believing that, hearing that, and they are now practicing that. Oh, yes. Sin affects other people. Achan thought, it's just me, I will take it. But it wasn't just Achan who suffered. The children of Israel suffered as well. A third lie we tell ourselves is, my sin can be successfully hidden. No one will ever find out. You can visualize in your mind, here is Achan bending over in the spoils of Jericho, picking up that wedge of gold and looking and seeing in that area there a garment from Babylon. You know, this is, this is like something made overseas. Precious indeed. And so he's going to put it among his own stuff. Nobody ever saw what I did. Numbers 32, 23, God said, be sure your sin will find you out. Moses thought that he had killed an Egyptian and no one had seen it. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, he looked this way, he looked that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You might would have thought that, well, his body's hidden, nobody saw it. The next day, there's two Hebrew men fighting. He's trying to work in between them, moderate them. He said, uh, why do you, are you striking your companion? Listen to verse 14. Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Moses looked every direction. Oh, I'm trying to be careful. David did not hide his adultery with Bathsheba. You know what David did was behind closed doors. And so many people today say, well, whatever goes on behind closed doors, that is my business. That's not your business. Nobody will ever find out about it. When Nathan rebukes David in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and tells him, David, what you have done has just brought shame and reproach upon God and upon his people. But when you get down to verse 12, he says, For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. And his son Absalom went into his stepmothers, David's wives, and humbled David before the children of Israel. Oh, just committing a little adultery won't... Oh, yes, it'll be found out. In Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people gathered together so that they trampled one another. Imagine, here's a large crowd, so large that everybody's stepping on one another. He began to his disciples, say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. 
You know what the Pharisee did? They proclaimed, I am religious. I serve God. With their mouths they glorified Him, but with their lives they denied Him. He said, you for pretense make long prayers. You devour widows' households. You want to make people think that you are righteous, but you're not righteous. Verse 3, therefore whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. What you've spoken in the inner rooms will be proclaimed in the housetops. Don't think that you can hide your sin. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now for just a couple of minutes, I want to talk about some lessons we ought to walk away with as we've studied this. Number one, God always means what he says. Numbers 23, 19 says he's not like a man that he should repent. He said he, what he has said he will do. What he has spoken, he'll make it good. When God tells people, don't take of the devoted thing, he meant don't take of the devoted thing. When we come to the New Testament and we find our instructions, our laws, our guides, we better keep them. Second thing, God always deserves the first and the best. The city of Jericho was the first city conquered in the promised land. As such, it was the first fruits belonging to God. He always deserves our best. Matthew 6, verse 33 Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number three, one must never take that which belongs to God. Did Achan really realize that when he took that wedge of gold and that silver and that garment that I'm taking what belongs to God? It's his. It's not mine. In Malachi chapter 1 God sent this great prophet to tell the children of Israel, you're taking what's mine because you're not giving as you ought. He explained by saying, you offer the blind as a sacrifice. You offer the lame, the sick. You're not offering God your best, your first. You're giving God your last. Verse 9, he says, give it to your governor. See if he'll be accept, you'll be accepted with him. And God said in verse 14 of chapter 1, Cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, sacrifice the Lord what is blemished. You've got the ability. Why aren't you doing it? Number four, there's always a penalty to be paid for sin. Achan may have thought that I've escaped, but he didn't. Romans 6, 3, 26 and verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. Number five, greed can destroy a person. In Joshua chapter 7 and verse 20, he says, I saw them, I coveted them, and I took them. Greed is what drives so many people. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now let's apply just a little bit. 
congregations like Israel must not tolerate sin in the camp. When I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 12 and 13, and then Revelation chapter 2, verses 20 through 24, both Paul and John talk about the sin that arises within a congregation. I look back at Israel. Israel was perched ready to go in and conquer the promised land, and yet was unsuccessful with Ai. They were defeated because... Sin was in the camp. In Revelation chapter 2, he said in verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. You go to verse 24. He says, now I say unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who do not know the deep things of Satan, I will put no other burden on you. I'm going to put that burden on you. You need to deal with it. If you and I are experiencing defeat in our own lives, perhaps we should start looking to see if we've got sin. If we as a congregation are not being successful, maybe we need to look and see are we tolerating sin? You see, I, I look at David and David going into the battle with Goliath. And David is ready to face Goliath. What if sin is in our camp? What if sin is in me? God made an example out of Achan. He had a painful discovery. He was outed as the culprit who brought defeat he was outed and detested by the 36 men's families for what he had done for them. And then he had a painful death. If you read Joshua chapter 7, verses 25 and 26, Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones, stoned them with stones. It's evidently possible that you look at the plural that comes in verse 25. Not only did Achan suffer, but so did his family. I'd like for you to think this morning, is there sin in my life? Do I need to deal with it? If you do, that's what the Lord's invitation is for. It's an invitation for those who are not Christians to surrender their lives to the Lord and become a Christian. And all those sins are then forgiven. They're put in the past. It's also a privilege for us as Christians to be able to come back to our Lord and confess our faults and say, I need your forgiveness. And knowing that we have a loving Father who forgives. If you need to come, please come as together we stand and sing.